0: All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. This is Root Solution, learning how to control the basics. This is Kyron. This is Noah. Noah with the luscious locks going.
1: Yeah, the flow is in uh, full effect tonight. Uh, oh. Turns out my hair grows at an alarming rate, and uh, I've given up on taming it because I'm stuck at home anyway, so you get the good stuff here. You get
0: the how you look. doing, brother?
1: I'm doing great Viral look well Kyrie, Ky learned today the word "viral" and now he can't stop using use it i gotta use it <laughs> gotta use it or you'll lose it right
0: exactly just like your hair
1: that's right damn uh so we want to <laughs> welcome everybody to the show uh we don't have a guest this week without a guest we were lost and so we were like oh man what should we talk about and then we realized oh we uh kind of know some things about some things and we should just Talk about what we know. Talk about the, so, things. Yeah. the things. So today what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk a little bit more about muscle contractions. Um and help you guys understand what they are, why they matter, who cares, why should you care, and all the things about them. Um, you know, in the end, when all said and done, like we've realized with our podcast that it's kind of all over the place. And uh we bit. basically just talked about all of the a little bit. We just basically talk about what we want to talk about. And uh, in talking about what we want to talk about, we just hope somebody cares. So we'll try to do a good job in the show notes to make it clear that we're not talking about emotional-based stuff. Um, but I think a lot of you out there and, and trying to understand your own machine could probably use a little bit of a, a, a physiology lesson on muscles. So we're going to go really, really simple here. We're not going to talk about fiber types and we're not going to talk about gray matter. And we're not going to talk about a bunch of the stuff that, you know, that we get really boring or boring it into. What we are going to talk about is just basic muscle contractions. And so um, a lot of what Kai and myself work with when we work with a lot of our athletes is can they contract muscles correctly? And we think that from a trainer perspective, this is maybe the most overlooked thing in PT athletic training, and just regular gym training. Would you agree, Kai?
0: Yeah, I think even, even in massage, too, right?
1: Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's let's dive in. Are you ready let's to dive, dive in? in?
1: So everybody, you have three muscle contractions. You have concentric, eccentric, and isometric. What that means is that your muscles do three things. These three things make up the essence of all movements, right? So The idea is that without any of these these three things our muscles would be pretty incomplete so a big issue that i see when i when i work with people is that they struggle with one of these three things so like you know in some cases people can't you know shorten a muscle some people can't hold a muscle some people can't you know absorb force or absorb load and so we want to kind of talk through what that means to you so we're going to start with concentric. Kai, you want to give us the the idea of what it does?
0: Yes. So the idea of concentric is shortening of the muscle. So thinking about like a bicep, it's like the most common, commonly known thing that people can get, right? So when you bring your arm, your hand up towards your face or towards your shoulder, your bicep has to shorten and it gets bigger, right? We all want to see those curls for the girls right so
1: those foodies out there mm -hmm. when you're taking food from your plate and bringing it to your mouth you're concentrically contracting that muscle to bring to your face think about it this way right it's really simple if i couldn't concentrically load my bicep i couldn't eat right people's let's make this right like, yeah let's make this like <laughs> let's bring this home to something that's important to you if you like food you have to be able to load this muscle in this uh, this pattern
0: well i guess you could be good at hinging and you can just like bob Shh. her apples you know
1: through the face just <laughs> bend over at the table and eat like yeah. my dog eats when i feed her
0: there you i mean i
1: guess that's a that's a plan b <laughs> but um so with concentric, guys, the way we look at this and the, the way I like to describe this to my patients is this is the go muscle, right? This is the muscle that we all assume makes us go fast. So yep. this is me pushing through the floor and accelerating a barbell. This is me uh, pushing through the floor and sprinting. That's that's kind of what we're looking at here.
0: Yeah, Pushing through yep. to get that Atlas stone up.
1: Pushing thirty to the Atlas, them up. So that said, guys, uh, I work in a population with quite a bit of athletes, um, and I personally feel like this is probably the most overtrained contraction, and I think maybe the most overrated contraction. In that, it's kind of sexy, right? It's it's all go, very little show, and 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 what that means to me is that like I think people glamorize this as everything. Right. So when I'm doing a bicep curl, I'm pulling a bar, the, the bar, the, the weight up to my face in a really quick manner. Right. It, it looks cool. Um, and, and most people think that this is going to really help grow f- tissue and fiber types. Um, but that's not always the case. Right. So, you know, I personally think in terms of like bodybuilders, right. Mm-hmm. Bodybuilders really, really, really use this contraction on a significant level. Um, because this is how they create hypertrophy. This is how they make muscles bigger. But what what we realize now is that we actually make muscles bigger by absorbing the most amount of force. Mm-hmm. So if you think about that, you know, in terms of true function, guys, that means that if I have load coming into my muscle and then eccentric, it actually is going to be heavier than the concentric is. Yeah. So the reason I say this is really overutilized is I just don't think... The- people realize that there's easier ways to get bigger and stronger without working so hard
0: yeah isn't the ratio two
1: two
0: or three to one yeah so yeah. that meaning your eccentric strength is two times stronger than your concentric strength right all right which guys should if,
1: be <laughs> if you think about that that's crazy yeah right that means that like from a a loading perspective, like we don't really have to like go nuts in the gym to make these muscles bigger. Like we can actually use less weight, which is easier on our joints and easier on our body. Right now, in terms of regular life, right? Like in terms of like a normal person in a gym or in a, in a injury setting, Mm -hmm. um, Kai, is this something you really focus on early on in the process or is it maybe something that you do later?
0: So for me, in the population that I work with, like more older population, they're typically not moving a lot. They're not, um, you know, they're not on the go, right? They're usually sitting for long periods of time or they're just walking. So Mm -hmm. for me, at least, I actually use these a lot because they're not getting that adaptation of the go. It's just kind of, you know, just kind of being there you know, like we talked about before, right? Use it or lose it. Uh, If you're not using these muscles, you're going to lose them. And we lose, I don't even know what the ratio is for that, right? Like the amount that we lose compared to how much we can gain. So um, in my practice, I actually use it a lot um, just for the movement purposes, but also just for um, the energy output, for people, right. it's it's easier to do concentric stuff, and it's uh, at least at least for some people, it's a lot more fun than sure. sitting and not moving things. So right, <laughs> or lowering well, so things here, really slow,
1: really really slowly. Right. Yeah. So here's the irony of this conversation. Now I work with a pretty different population than Kai works with, and I actually use these very little. I think in working with a lot of youth athlete populations. I actually think that this is maybe the most overused tissue adaptation of all of them. So I actually try not to spend a ton of time on this because frankly, the kids are getting a lot of this in their sport and they're getting a lot of this in sport practice. So a lot of times I find that this is really overused and because it's so overused, it's actually usually causing a lot of pain and and issues, right? So um, recently I had posted about jumper's knee which those of you who don't know that it's going to be a pain below the kneecap. Um, mm-hmm. My post about jumpers knee was because frankly, a lot of my athletes have it from running too much, jumping too much. And and frankly, with all the COVID stuff, a lot of my athletes aren't in great shape mm-hmm. because they've been not playing their sport itself. And and I think what people don't realize is that you have to get in shape for your sport, right? So in terms of like the general population, like, you know, your goal is to get in shape for life, which is, which is true. But in terms of youth athletes, they're playing their sport to work their way into shape. And so if they can't play their way into shape before they play their sport, their tendons already absorb the force that that we, we have all kinds of issues. So if you have coaches that just throw a ton of plyometrics at these kids, we're going to have a lot of problems. So for me, I'm on the other end of the spectrum that from Kai and that I don't actually have my kids do much concentric stuff at all. And I try to avoid it if I can. Um, and even if I do utilize it at the back end of things, I'm still adding in eccentrics and I'm still making them even do eccentrics with their basic like bodybuilding and things like that. So it's interesting guys, because the reality of a lot of this conversation is is what Kai and I talk about a lot is it depends, right? Like it, Ooh, it depends on what you're phrase. trying to accomplish. That phrase. If you're a sedentary older person, you know, I would argue that isometrics and concentrics are really valuable. Yeah. Um, and we'll get into isometrics later. But if you're uh, an athlete that does a ton of movement, this can be really problematic. So I think it's important for people to understand that th- this isn't a zero sum game. Mm-hmm. Okay, Kai. what's the next one? The next thing is
0: eccentric.
1: The
0: next thing? The next muscle contraction? Next, yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to like You're do the Wheel, Wheel of Fortune thing or something. I don't know.
1: Uh, yes. What is? What is eccentrics? muscle contractions? Okay,
0: yeah. so eccentrics, what it does is like we said it is lengthening so tension when we lengthen the muscle so this is lowering things down so if we think about our bicep eating food when we go back down to eat get the food we're lowering our bicep and lengthening it
1: right so eccentric is really interesting guys because frankly this is your brakes now if you're an older person your brakes are important because they prevent you from falling right that your ability to stay upright so eccentrics become really really valuable because if i can't stop myself from falling and i just keep falling and getting hurt then we got a real problem so i find that with Mm -hmm. eccentrics this is a really really valuable conversation with older people because they need it to live the other thing that we have to consider with older people is this is one of the hardest ones to train right because it takes the most from the body yeah yeah So in terms of the athletic population, I think that this is probably the, the most valuable because most of these kids that we work with have the ability to produce force, go forward fast, but they don't have the ability to stop, excuse me, stop themselves. So in terms of injuries, and this isn't just true of the athletic population, when do people get hurt? Do they get hurt in the concentric? Which is going forward or the eccentric absorbing force. For sure, the absorbing force. And so, the reason that absorbing force becomes really, really problematic for people is just like Kai had mentioned a few minutes ago, you have to understand that in absorbing force, this is actually going to be more than the load itself. So, what that means is that if I'm walking forward and I fall, me falling. Is going to weigh out heavier on a scale than me walking, right? So this can be this. This is kind of a really important idea in that you know if you're one of those people that are walking and falling, like you're going to have a problem. It's going to it's going to affect you in accordance to that. So if we don't train our ability to absorb force, then we're going to have a real problem when we have to absorb force, right? So if I fall and I have to catch myself, then what? Now what do I do? Probably gonna get hurt. A lot, right? Damn. Now, I, from an athletic population, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on a, an athletic nerd tangent here for a minute, but um, yeah. James Harden, which is an NBA basketball player, is very, very, very good. One of the, probably the top ten players in the NBA. James Harden is kind of plays kind of slow he has kind of an old man game right if you were to watch him playing basketball honestly from just the naked eye you'd be like wow that guy isn't very athletic yeah and you would argue that that guy like what is that guy doing out in the court and so what I would tell you guys is that James Harden though not incredibly athletic the one thing that they found is he measures off the charts his ability to eccentrically loaded his muscle pattern so what they found is that when they tested james harden they're like man like why is this guy so good his ability to stop is better than anybody else in the game so he doesn't have to play fast his speed plays up because he can stop easier and more efficiently than anybody else can Mm -hmm. so people always want to work the go muscles right we want to constantly have this conversation and i fight with coaches all day about We no, we they need to be faster, they need to be faster, they need to be faster, they need to go, they need to go, they need to go. And my argument's always the same. Like, I actually think being elite at stopping makes them probably a better athlete and more difficult to handle. And what happens if you take someone who's very fast and very athletic and you give them elite stopping ability? (sighs) Everybody's screwed, right? Yeah. Like you if you watch a Michael Jordan crossover. Everyone everyone else is going real, real, real fast and having a hard time stopping. Michael Jordan sure wouldn't. Yeah. He was able to cross people over and just bring the ball back and shoot jumpers, right? So yeah. I think eccentric is is one of the probably most least utilized pattern of all of them. Kai, I know yeah. you kind of have an opinion on this as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I always whenever I explain this to people, I always give the analogy of like if you have a Ferrari but you have honda brakes it's not going to work very well it's
1: not going to work it's a problem i like uh, that one
0: so you need some ferrari brakes right yeah um but yeah i mean so i i use this a lot with my older population as well because of the fact what you said you know people who are older tend to fall more right oh. and then um, <laughs> you know with the with the aging that leads to hips being fractured, um, you know, wrists being broken, like all all sorts of stuff. So um, uh, one of the big things that I started to think about when I started working with that population was like, well, let's learn how to, to get down on the floor and get back up. So then they're learning that kind of pattern, but also kind of like a reactive, eccentric, Like stepping forward and stopping yourself from falling, and just practicing that, so they get the idea. Like, okay, in case this happens, like if I trip over something or I didn't see a step, I can at least catch myself and have that reactive um, uh, pattern in my in my in the toolbox in in, the toolbox. Yeah. So, um, you know, working with that population, I definitely found that valuable but also with just creating stability in the joint because a lot of them have patterns that have been there for 20 30 40 years and if they're always in that concentric then the opposite side of those muscles are weaker right so creating that lengthening not only will it help uh, with strengthening and stability of their joint but it'll also actually increase flexibility right right and so then they have more uh range which then they have more reaction so then they have better gait patterns right walking patterns
1: right and i think that's a a really interesting idea of strengthening that joint right you know a lot of people have mentioned like you know, you hear hypermobility a lot from people. Mm-hmm. And so people ask a lot, like, you know, if I'm hypermobile, how can I, how can I train? And the thing is, is so people, uh, for those of you out there that don't know what that term means, hypermobility means that my joint is very elastic and mm-hmm. I can absorb, I can go further than the normal ranges of motion. Yeah.
0: yeah so like, so- like double jointed people, right?
1: Right. Or, yeah. Exactly. And so if you're someone who's hypermobile, that can be really problematic, um, in your regular life, right? Because now if I step off of a curb and I hyperextend my knee and I, can't, I don't have the ability, the stability in the joint to stop that force, load exceeds capacity. And unfortunately we're hurt now, right? Like now we're coming to see Noah and come to see Kai. And so by training those those, those tissue patterns and training those positions, we give people the opportunity to like strengthen those ranges and protect themselves from potentially having an issue where they step off a curb and hurt themselves. Right. So when we hear the term break, a lot of times we, we think of break in terms of athleticism. I think for me, I have have a struggle with that conversation because that break really applies to life, right? Like every time I take a step down of the stairs, I need a break. I need something to stop me from falling down the stairs. So if I don't train that pattern, I'm vulnerable to falling down the stairs. Right. And anybody who's falling down the stairs, that shit's scary.
0: Yeah, and then it becomes a mental
1: issue. (laughs) Right. So I think the thing here to kind of consider when we have when we think about this, guys, is that you know though this podcast is is going to be geared towards you know maybe a strength conditioning populace. I actually think it's probably more valuable for the general pop to understand this stuff. Like when I say general pop, I mean normal people. Because the reality of this is this affects you on a day-to-day basis. And if you aren't empowered with the information to understand why it's important to be able to control these patterns, you're going to be at risk every day in everything that you do. So a lot of us aren't using these patterns in our training perspective, right? A lot of us go to the gym, but are we using these things to help ourselves out in the gym? And that's, that's kind of why we decided to, to bring this to light. Um, now in terms of utilizing and practice Kai, you know, I, I think it becomes a struggle to have a, a, like a patterned usage, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I try to think about it utilizing the triphasic method. And I know, Kai, you and I both really like Cal Dietz is a strength conditioning coach um, up in Minnesota. He came up. He didn't come up with eccentric by any means or isometric or any of those things. But he created a program that has a really clean path through how to use eccentrics, how to use isometrics and how to use concentrics. And so I personally, with my patients as well as clients, both uh, use the triphasic method. So it's a three to four week block of eccentric stuff and we'll just stay with eccentric. And basically what we'll do is we'll increase time under tension. So we'll increase the time they use for eccentric. So what that means is that like, if you're say squatting week one, we might do three reps at three second eccentrics. And then the next week, we might go three reps at five seconds and so forth to increase time under tension to help build up that density. Um, For me, what I find with my population is they actually grow quite a bit of muscle size in these phases really easily. Um, Is that something you've had experience with as well?
0: Well, For me, I, I don't see that as much. is more of like just because what I what I always look at is how they walk Uh, that's kind of like my uh, assessment all the time Um, because if they're walking well they're not like hunched over things like that then they're more stable right they can walk in more control so for me when I look at the way that they walk and we do the eccentrics and then they get up and they're walking and then next week they come in and they're like I feel lighter. I feel straighter. I feel right. like all those things. Um, it's because their joints are being stabilized and they're getting stronger so that they right. can hold themselves up. So for me, I kind of look more at that. Um, but I will say, warning for people, eccentrics are hard and they need Hard. A, lot of, a lot of time for rest
1: <laughs> yeah they can my be goodness. overused yes big time yeah so you got to be really careful
0: yeah it's uh yeah i think one time i did a what was it like six six second eccentrics with like deadlifts and my i my hamstrings were shot for like three days
1: right and so this is again why i like that triphasic method um, it, it offers just a clean transition so we can get people used to it. Um, yeah. because yeah, it can really, really beat people up mm-hmm. in a really like not fun way. Yeah. Um, so I try my best to kind of ease people into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I really like ecentrics for new patients and athletes. Um, I still have to be conscious of athletic background yeah. as well as be conscious of, uh, where they are in terms of injuries and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. So, okay. So, Kai, next one is in the isometrics. Kai, what is the, like, tell me about it, man.
0: Isometrics is like the robot. No, I'm just kidding. So, isometrics. <laughs> the robot. Um,
1: God <laughs> um, yeah, jokes, man. You know, you just gotta keep them coming.
0: All right. Oh, so, man. yeah. <laughs> the equal amount of force um, coming from both directions. So, if we think about, um let's say we're gonna do wall sits so wall sits were so much fun in basketball so it's basically you're on a wall um and you sit like you're gonna sit in a chair but you're really not in a chair and so your top of your thighs are burning because you're pushing into the wall and the wall is pushing against you and probably the wall is going to win eventually but um you're 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 staying in one position but your muscles are like screaming at you because you're pushing, right? Um, but why, why should we care about this? Noah?
1: So isometrics are interesting, right? I think isometrics are really underutilized for a lot of reasons. Um, one of them is, is because they're a transition from, concent- from eccentric to concentric, which we'll get into de- greater detail later. Um, the other one is because a lot lot of cases like this is how people are sustaining being upright right so the thing that I don't think people take into consideration with this particular pattern is that this is how I stand up right this is literally how I'm going to be upright in posture and position so you know concentrates cool and all but like can I hold myself up so I think one, I think this is really overused. Or the only time I see this used really in a gym setting is with abs, um, oh, yeah. which is ironic.
0: No, 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 um, not abs. The core, bro. The,
1: the core. core, yeah. Which I can't. Like, <laughs> I, I could, I can hate that. Couldn't hate that word more. Like, like core of what? Like a real fucking apple? Like, yes. Bread. Um, but I think I think the thing that I find with isometrics is that. I don't think it gets the credit it deserves in terms of just sheer value. It's one of the muscle muscle contractions that's used the most from a daily day in and day out basis. Right? Like if I'm going to, um, participate in standing for long periods of time, I'm going to be doing it in an isometric contraction. And I think that to me makes it something that should be considered more and more as valuable. Um, Kyle, what's your kind of opinion on it?
0: Yeah. I mean, um, I think that isometrics creates that control of that position, right? Um, You know, you just got to control um, the basics,
1: (laughs) so. Just get it. Um, Yeah, control, I I mean, it's, it's interesting that you bring up control, right? So one of the things that, like, I talk a lot with my patients in is that, you know, the ability to communicate with your muscle becomes really valuable too. Right. So a lot of people don't really understand how our muscles contract to begin with. Right. Like, like from a signaling perspective. Mm -hmm. So um, I know I just cut you off, but I forgot what I was supposed to be actually talking about, which is um, more motor, motor recruitment from the brain. So guys, we have, we have nerves that connect from our brain to our muscle, right? So our brain sends a signal down based on the density of that, that nerve, only a certain amount of information can get there. Now cramping is, it can be a few different things, right? So I don't want to like put cramping in one corner, but in a lot of cases, what cramping is, is it's a massive surge of information going through a neuron that's not, or a neuron going through a nerve column that isn't thick enough to handle it, which sends too much signal to the muscle and the muscle freaks out. So what we can do is by utilizing isometrics, we can use that to actually work out the density of that, that nerve column. So we can actually make the nerve column thicker. And by having a thicker nerve column, we have a better communication pattern in the muscle. So that's an interesting idea. And in it's all in so many ways, right? Because if you're one of those people that don't have a lot of accessibility to tissue, let's say that you don't have a lot of um, rotation in your shoulder, you're unable to internally rotate your shoulder. The way we can create a better communication pattern is to isometrically contract where we want the muscle to go and mm-hmm. then inch by inch incrementally increase that contraction as well as increase the range of motion we're contracting in. So it's a really safe way to create a better communication in the tissue itself. It also, and, and the big thing that, that I think that I want to talk about from a sports perspective is a lot of times with young athletes, we have really thick muscle bellies and we have really thin tendons. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is the muscle becomes stronger than the tendon and creates too much force and pull on that tendon. And that shearing force either leads to torn tendons or tendonitis. So I just posted about that. This by the time this comes out it will be a couple of weeks back, but uh, jumper's knee, patellar tendinitis, um, which is right under the cap of the knee, I think is really common in young athletes, especially right now because they're not in great shape thanks to COVID. Yeah. So we use isometrics to create a thicker, denser tendon, which allows these athletes to train more. So it's a really, really great way to rejuvenate that tissue. Um now that has huge potential crossover to a population that's injured as well. So kyle I'll give you the kind of give you the floor for that one.
0: Yeah. Uh and just to clarify for people who don't know what tendons are, it's the connective tissue that goes from the muscle to the bone. Just yeah. Sorry. Just gotta clarify for people anyways um yeah so with injury right we we um have load that exceeds capacity right so for example the one that is used a lot and i get a lot is ankle sprain um so what is that your ankle rotates further than it can can you can control it right so What happens? Does it damage muscle or does it damage tendons and ligaments?
1: Tendons and ligaments.
0: Yeah. So um, isometrics are a really good tool to build back the control and um, make that joint feel safe, right? We always want to make sure that in injury perspective, we want to make sure that the joint and the um the muscles have that connection to the brain that says it's safe right because when it's not safe then we have tightness right we have right. that protective mechanism that says don't move um so with with isometrics right um, you know with especially with ankle injuries um and it's interesting because i sprained my ankle like
1: I am just going to say, three. this is coming from experience.
0: Yes, multiple, multiple, multiple experiences. But, um, yeah, I spent my like three, four weeks ago. And, um, you know, knowing what I know now, right, I rested and then immediately the next day was doing isometrics. And so um, just kind of building that and, and really making it feel safe. Um, obviously when we do the isometrics, there shouldn't be any pain. Um, so we're just trying to, um, like, you I said, inch by inch, try to gain more and more range, make the the muscles feel safer and safer, make the tendons a little bit stronger, ligaments and everything like that. So, um, you know, I, I find isometrics to be super, super valuable in that aspect of injury and, um, you know, the whole rehab program. Um, and you'll see a lot of rehab programs start with isometrics because they're the most safe you can't – I mean, it's almost – kind of stupid proof, right? Yeah, I mean, you could overdo it, right, if you're just pushing through the pain, but obviously we don't want to do that. But, um, you know, one of the other things that I think is underutilized, and um, if you guys listen to our podcast with Brad, he has all these studies that say – isometrics can lower blood pressure right and like just go do a wall sit for 45 seconds and see how your heart rate goes <laughs> because my gosh i did the the first time i did the 30 and 30 with the isofit my gosh you know and i'm yeah. not to say that i'm not in the best shape but i thought i was in pretty good shape and it crushed me so um, yeah. you know isometrics are just um so i feel like underutilized and and super valuable and um coming from the mat world the muscle activation techniques that's basically the programming right for building not only just building control but like you were talking about with the the neurons right we have to to make the connection from you know if if you want to use the mind muscle connection whatever it may be um, but yeah, I love I love your analogy when you were talking about that kind of stuff, where you were saying, um, as you talked about the the motor car co- motor col- oh my gosh motor columns, my goodness. Um, but you talked about like if you had a hose that was like a super small diameter, and you're trying to get water through. You're not going to get a lot of water through, right? But if you can increase the size of the diameter, now the water can flow super easy. So it's the same with these motor recruitment, right? With these motor neurons going into the um, to the muscle. If we can create thicker, more diameter
1: neurons, then we have more control, right? And that's that's the thing here, right? That that you know, Kai and I of intentionally are trying to kind of play. Um, yin and yang with this and we're talking about athletes as well as old people because what we want you to understand is that like everybody is going to value from this stuff right like you have to understand that more motor control of a muscle is beneficial for everyone it's better for an athlete it's better for a senior citizen it's better for a mom that's just trying to get more jacked right Mm -hmm. You guys have to also understand that isometrics are patterning muscles, right? So if we think about sitting in a desk, right, sitting in a desk is not isometric guys, like whether you want to think so or not, and it's an eight hour isometric, right? Mm -hmm. So like, if you sit at a desk for work, you're patterning that tissue to isometrically contract to be really good at sitting, right? So you're making yourself good at sitting. Congratulations. The problem with that, and, and Brad in and the isofit episode talked about this, is that we're not strong enough to can hold contractions that long, right? And so in my practice, I recommend people get adjustable desks. that go up and down. And then every 30 minutes, they go stand. And every 30 minutes, they sit. And then every two hours, they go for a 10-minute walk. For me, this this adaption of change allow, doesn't allow our body to pattern anything right and and going back to the nervous system conversations we've had what seems like ages ago our body functions on patterns and isometric patterns are the most powerful of the patterns that are possible right these are the contraction that reflects that pattern so if i take my hand and i bring it to my shoulder and i contract my bicep and i leave it there for eight hours it's gonna be really hard to straighten my arm. Really, really difficult, right? Now, if we, we take that even further, let's say you've sat all day long, right? And you're a kid in school, and then you go to practice and your coach says, okay guys, sprint. Do you guys, do you think they're ready to sprint? Do you think the neuro connection is good? Do you think that they're gonna have accessibility to lateral glute stuff or hip extension or any of the things that are taken away from sitting? The answer to that's no, right? Now, conversely, let's say that you're um, a middle aged man who wants to lose weight and you've worked out all, you've sat all day long at work and then you go CrossFit. CrossFit takes massive amounts of variance in movement. So you don't have accessibility, right? You don't have the ability to, to use those ranges, which means risk of injury goes up, right? The other thing to consider here is like if you're just a, a someone who wants to look better, like fuck it, I'm just a bodybuilder and I want to look jacked. Right. And you're like, well, um, I want my biceps to look better, but my biceps are, are, are patterned in a shitty pattern. Am I going to have accessibility to both heads of my bicep? Maybe not. Am I going to have, if I'm a, a fit chick who wants a bigger butt and I sit all day at work and then I go to the gym and I go straight into trying to do hip bridges, am I going to create compensation? Right. And the hip bridge, guys, is when I, I sit, uh, I sit on my butt and I, I drive my hips up with my feet on the ground and my shoulders on the table. Um, and and so this becomes really important to, to, to kind of understand here, guys. I want you to take this into consideration. Isometrics are an opportunity to change a lot of this stuff, right? We can ease ourselves into new ranges. Um, also, isometrics is something you can do anywhere, right? So while I'm working with patients, I'll do isometric contractions for hip internal rotation because I suck at it. And I'm just standing there Putting my foot on a on a chair, right? If you're a mom and you're in there doing dishes, you can isometrically contract whatever muscle you want, right? This is that mind muscle connection. This is my ability to use stuff, right?
0: Yeah, and I think that it it not only helps with like control and and um, you know more neurons and things like that, but it also brings awareness, right? Sure. And, and this comes from like helping people understand compensation right? right so when they do the hip bridge like a lot of times what you'll hear people say is like oh I, st- I feel it in my back right my back or I feel it all in my hamstring right so then they don't have accessibility to their glutes right their butt muscles so then right. holding that isometric and like okay do you feel it in your butt No, I feel it in my hamstring okay well that's you know and then you have adjust. to manipulate it right you have to right. adjust it and, and make sure that they're feeling it and where you want them to feel it or where they right. want to feel it right like if you only feel it in your hamstrings and you want a big butt and you do 300 reps of that your butt's not getting big your hamstrings are going right. to get big, right which then makes your makes your butt look smaller i don't know so <laughs> <laughs> so it's counterintuitive right it's it's right. it's contradicting so um, I think that it isometrics, are just so much about, val- there's so much value in them, not only for control, but, you know, for an awareness standpoint, like where should you be feeling it? Where are you feeling right. it?
1: Can you adjust it? Um, but yeah. Well, this, my, this is that I, I like that. This is the idea of tension over position, right? Yeah. A lot of times that people, you know, I, the conversations I have with my client base athletes or not is that. I ask a lot, what do you feel, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the problem here is, is a squat can look really great and still be bad. A deadlift can look really great but still be bad, right? Just because yeah. it looks good doesn't mean people don't feel it in their back, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is the, the isometrics are our ability to fix that. Now, I use it in a really simple perspective, right? I use it with functional range conditioning or FRC. You guys hear me talk about it a lot. Um, if you guys don't know what that is, go to my Instagram. It's root.solution. It's all over the place on there. But FRC is just putting people in positions that they're bad at and using isometric contractions, right? It's really, really simple. Where do you suck? What do you need more of? Let's go there and let's fix it. Yeah. I also use it in triphasic. So like not only do I use it from a warm-up perspective or a treatment perspective, but triphasic has a phase of that as well. And remember, that's the program I talked about that you guys are more than welcome to Google. Um, Kai, I know you use it a ton in your treatment protocols as well, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's such a good, uh, a good, like, I guess, platform or just structure for, um, you know, testing and assessing people, right? Can they, can they, uh, can they lower things down first? Can You're they right. hold that position, top and bottom? Right. And then can they now move it... Fist- oh, my gosh, I can't talk today. Can they move it fast, right? Can yeah. they move it quickly? Yeah. Um, and then starting over. Um, and then you continue to build strength from there. And when you build strength, you have more stability. When you have more stability, you have less pain. And you have less tightness. Yeah. You have less more flexibility. Like, all those things just are added in there but you know it starts with <laughs> the basics so
1: the basics um, <laughs> that you should control
0: that you should control every step of the way
1: all right guys so these are the three contractions we're going to go deeper into this stuff in the coming weeks um our hope here is to kind of just help you guys understand what's going on and and, and why Uh, and we're going to get pretty nerdy. Uh, we'll try to warn you in advance just in case you don't want to listen to it. Uh, let's kind of give you a little bit of a summation of this whole thing now and, and give you just some real basics to this. So, okay. Every movement that is transitioning force needs to use all three of these contractions. The question is how much, right? So if I'm jumping, I have to initiate the jump by bending down, right? So I'm going to go bend with my butt, load in my knees. I'll feel my quads get real excited. Now, what I've done is I've eccentrically loaded the tissue. So this is called potentiation. The idea behind potentiation is we're storing energy in those quads so that that energy can be used in the opposite direction. Isometric would be the stop at the bottom of that quarter squat. And you've got to hold that contraction, right? Concentric is the final push. So that's the use of the energy that I've stored. Okay. Now why, why do we give a shit about this? Right? Because if one of the links in that chain is weak, we're going to have a problem. So think about this from an athletic perspective, right? If you're an athlete who wants to jump higher, but never eccentrically loads tissue, you can't create potentiation, right? You can't store enough energy to produce force. So I don't care how much you deadlift. If you can't control the deadlift, you aren't going to be able to use that energy, which is the thing that I think people don't understand, right? Just because Thor, the mountain, the world's strongest man can deadlift a thousand pounds doesn't mean he can jump 48 inches right why is it that there isn't a direct correlate there guys like why does that not translate right if force production equals output right then why is it that half isn't the the world's fastest highest jumper Right Now there's a lot there, right? He's got mass. he's got all kinds of things. We can make all kinds of arguments, but there also could be a really simple one and that there's not a great connection to these three contractions, right? Um, the other issue that I see here is in the normal population and the regular people population, right? Is that from a, a PT perspective, from a physical trainer perspective, if we aren't training all three of these things, we aren't setting ourselves up to live life healthy, right? We're deliberately adding kinks in the chain, right? We're, we're taking links out of it. So isometrics aren't just for planks, guys, right? <laughs> Eccentrics aren't just for like squats, right? The reality is, is we should be doing all of these things. And so the question is, is do I have enough range of motion, right? And we can test that through isometrics. Do Can I control that? Weight on the down and the up. And so Kai and I's biggest pet peeve in this new world of online training is that it's this one size fits all. And it, it's unfortunately being produced by people that may not have a great understanding of basic muscle physiology. So if your program doesn't involve some isometric, some eccentric, some concentric, then, then it's not very balanced. Now that said, Kai, do you have any recommendations for how people can, can find a better way to build these things into their life?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it just takes simple programming, right? I think you can, you know, salt bay action, sprinkle in some eccentrics, uh, sprinkle in some isometrics, right? Simple wall sits, like, you know, that doesn't require any weights, it requires right. a wall, Um sure. And, and actually, a wall is very useful for isometrics.
1: Right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's a force that we can't stop, right?
0: Yeah. And you, you can stand next to it and push, or take one foot, try to push into it, and you'll feel it right in the middle of your um, hip. Uh, yeah. um, you can try to... Uh, stand uh with your back uh towards the wall and kick your leg back and get a hip extension um there's just endless options with that um but yeah just adding adding isometrics and doing it in a smart way right like go go read that book try phasic or ask no or ask me or ask somebody who has experience with that kind of stuff um and then eccentric right like slowly you know, if you're doing a squat, if you're doing a split squat, you're doing push-ups, like slowly go down, you know, count three seconds, four seconds, five seconds. If you're crazy, you do 10 seconds. I don't know. Um, so,
1: guys, this is something that I try to think about a lot with my – with when I write programming, but a, neat, a really easy way to do this. Look up some FRC stuff, right? Um, you can go on YouTube. There's – Four billion videos, maybe more. Um, look up kin stretch, like that term kin stretch, right? Um, use that as a warm up. Those are straight up isometric contractions, right? So for me personally, I use about 20 minutes of isometrics for my mobility and warm up. Okay. When you get into your workout, whatever lift you're told to do, count to three on your way down. Easy, simple. If you're supposed to do bicep curls, every time you go down, count to three. Don't swing it up, just count to three. Right? And then the concentric is the most overprogrammed thing in the world. So you already have it. If you follow those rules, honestly, you'll be able to get quite a bit of the three contractions in a really safe manner. Right? I think that's a pretty easy way to do it. You know what Kai's recommending is, is awesome, but it might be a little bit hard to just like be that creative. So you might just want to pay Kai to write that program, which I've done before, guys. It's awesome. It's not a bad idea. Um, But don't make it overtly complicated. Reach out to people that are smart, that can help you guys understand your bodies, understand your machines, and implement those things into your world. But I'm telling you, if you implement those things in your world, you'll be very shocked at, one, what the muscle looks like. Two, how much better you feel and then three and, and most importantly, how much safer you are. Right. Yeah. I think that should pretty well sum it up. Um, it gets a tiny bit more complicated than that, but we're, uh, we're going to keep it simple for you guys for today. Um, in the coming weeks, we'll talk about the more complicated stuff. We're going to try to sprinkle in strength conditioning stuff, and sprinkle in some of that psychological stuff that we've, we've been doing. Um, We're hoping to have Garrett back on soon. That seemed to be a really popular podcast and we're hoping to have more therapist types. Um, We've come to realize at this point that we're just going to talk about whatever we feel like talking about. And we just hope to God you care. So uh, we'll try to be really clear in the show notes um, as to what we're talking about. And um, if you don't want to hear it, that's okay. Just download it, please. Um, and then listen to it. Uh, that's up to you uh, that said I'm Noah Drew at root.solution on Instagram Facebook is a waste of time don't email me there uh, Kai where can we find you
0: uh, you can find me at like three and a half underscores um, no it's control underscore the underscore basics so Thank you guys for listening and we will see you, hear you.
1: We'll talk to you next time. On the flippity flip. Flippity flop.